this is Maddie Van, and I lead strategy at Network for Good. I am back again today with Network for Good CEO, Abby Ross, this time to discuss the frameworks we've been using to organize some of our strategic thinking as we think about the future of Network for Good and to focus our scope as we endeavor to pioneer new models for providing durable capital for community-driven, sustainable outcomes in the social sector. In our last two podcast episodes, we offered some of the context for how we've been thinking about why Network for Good has decided to scope our experiments to climate-driven disaster recovery, who we understand the stakeholders in the disaster recovery ecosystem to be, and what problem statements have emerged for us as priority areas of need and opportunity as we start to test our potential for impact and how we might influence in this space. So Abby, tell me how you're feeling after this last month. Sure. So the deeper we get into disaster recovery, the more conviction I build that this is the best space for us to pioneer a new model for how a shift in capital can change outcomes. I believe that by finding these levers and then designing experiments that can push around them alongside our partners, we will change how individuals and communities recover from a disaster more timely, more equitably, and with resilience. Um, so I'm excited that that'll likely be uh, kind of coming to fruition around a couple a couple experiments that we have built conviction in that we think will impact these levers is the next, the next phase. You and I have been having a really interesting conversation about who it is we're here to serve, what their needs are, and which of those needs we are or could be best positioned to serve. And in that, we've been digging deep into this idea of levers. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak to us a little bit about where that's been taking us. Yeah. So our opportunity levers are essentially like, what are the leverage points in the system that we can influence for a better outcome? Um, What we've essentially essentially been doing is like fast track building a a theory of change. And we have to recognize that it takes organizations, you know, months, several months and years, and a lot of times like deep expertise to do this. And we have just kind of been rapid fire learning and consuming all we can in terms of disaster recovery. Um, So we are, you know, putting together a vision for who we are serving, the challenges through the eyes of of those stakeholders, so the impacted individuals, the impacted communities, and then the the general recovery community at large. Um, And we're doing that by grounding ourselves in, you know, real examples of Hurricane Harvey, Eastern Kentucky, California wildfires. Um, And this, this most recent iteration has been, well, who's working on some of the challenges through the eyes of the stakeholders? Organizations like FEMA, new financing model, insurance companies. Um, what is the role of local government? What is the role of large nonprofits and large volunteer organizations? Um, and, and what are those specific organizations focused on doing? Um, and then where are there existing gaps in, in the system, mm-hmm. in kind of what those organizations are working on? Um, and our goal in kind of analyzing that ecosystem is to find those leverage points of if we push harder uh, or change a, a process or an idea in this system, we can ultimately impact the outcome at a, at a greater degree. Okay. And before we even think about Network for Good's role in that and, and how well positioned we are, what has this sort of overall conversation around levers yielded for us? Where is that? Where did that land? Well, in this exercise, we found 85 (laughs) different levers that we could impact. Um, And all of those were kind of mapped to a specific problem statement, 
uh, through the eyes of a stakeholder, what organizations are working on that and kind of what we thought we could change about it. Um, the, the good news about those 85 is that several were repeating across multiple sure, right. Uh, you know, problem statements. And a lot of the same players are involved in focusing on kind of solving different parts of the the value chain or the process or impacting those levers. Yeah. Okay. So 85 levers was sort of the, the, the ending list <laughs> or not the ending list, the interim list. Uh, how did, talk to me about how we, we narrowed that down. So um, built a little rubric for ourselves. Um, and the first dimension of that rubric was impact. So if we, you know, did nothing but focus on this specific lever, um, how, what kind of outcome could happen? What kind of impact could there be? And we did tie those back to our vision statements. Mm-hmm. So our vision statement for uh, individuals is that um, everyone recovers in a timely way. And um, vision statement for community is that communities can recover equitably uh, with resilience. So the next disaster is... Um, Less destructive. Less destructive for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Um, so we, we tied back and kind of created a rubric around, well, what's going to help with timely recovery? What's going to be, what's going to impact equity? Mm-hmm. And what can impact resilience for how we build mm-hmm. back? Um, so we kind of scored on those three dimensions of impact. Um, and that really helped some things like bubble to the top around what we truly thought the highest leverage points were. Um, and then took the lens of, well, what are we, Network for Good, best positioned to do? And had to take a lens there of kind of short, medium, and long term, yeah. recognizing that when you're talking about a theory of change and you're talking about a system that is kind of designed, um, you know, we got to be in this for the long haul of the, these aren't quick fixes um, and requires the discipline of kind of focus and also recognizing how we show up in these spaces uh, is is going to be different from how we are today, you know, operating as a DAF, but recognizing we have a, a lot of existing assets and we've yeah. been in the space for a while. So, you know, kind of tying it back to, well, what are we best positioned to do? Um, and when you marry that with the idea of impact, uh, we ended up with uh, kind of a, a much more focused set. Great. So I think what you just mentioned around thinking about how Network for Good is positioned and some of our core competencies and some of these specific levers. As we talked about that, a lot emerged that was sort of across the board themes we were thinking about, not unique to a specific lever or a specific area of need or opportunity. Can you talk to me about some of those sort of general design principles that started to emerge for us in this conversation? Yeah, it, it seemed like in every single one of our levers uh, and kind of points, we, we discussed the importance of trust Mm-hmm. In both the individual, particularly in the um, impacted individuals, like we have to enter those spaces, uh, trusting in people and and building new systems that um, basically elevate the dignity of every human. Um, and and when we right. talk about equity, um, that's really a system design. So the role of trust and equity have to be a design principle as we think about designing experiments, designing new systems, and uh, kind of a general design principle for how we think about um, using some of these leverage points for, for, a, for a different impact or outcome. Yeah, um, we also had to look at the idea of 
policies that are at the root of how communities recover. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, what role does Network for Good want to play in advocacy and policy? Sure. Um, and I'd say, you know, while we've done quite the deep dive in the past, you know, four or five months on disaster recovery, that is a space where we're probably like woefully underinformed. And so I think sure. there needs to be a work stream to understand from our kind of high level understanding about some policies of like what it means to make people whole and the dollars don't exactly yeah. flow to, to resilience, but there is kind of new opportunity with some, some new, um, uh, new government dollars. Like what are some, what are some roles in which if we could change policy, that could be a true leverage point. Um, but what role do we want to play? I, I don't think we have, you know, we've decided on that yet. Right. Or even some of the levers that we can't influence until policy and advocacy Ex shifts, whether or not that's a role we're going to play. Those are still levers that are perhaps exactly. tabled until that's addressed. Exactly. And then you know, recognizing who Network for Good has been and likely kind of who we will continue to be in the space is a lot. When we talk about resources, that comes back to, to money. Um, and when we think mm -hmm. about how money should flow into communities, it, for individuals, into communities after a disaster, we're recognizing that um, for that money to flow in a new way, it has to flow through a system that is more flexible and fungible than it is today. Um, so that is kind of something that we have to solve for as a little bit of a baseline condition, um, sure. that will require, uh, I think some, some interesting conditions for how we design experiments. A, a good example of that is if we want to help communities put up a match for government dollars, for example, mm -hmm. um, there has to be a shift in the flexibility for how we send money to those communities to be able to put up that match instead of just earmarking it directly for relief. Well, if it really is giving them a dollar can unlock $10 from the government, sure. the flexibility has to be there. So right. that's kind of something that like in order to empower communities and, and give them the agency to make decisions on how they recover, uh, the flexibility of how money flows is required across all of these levers. Yeah. That makes sense. So that that's really helpful context and sort of the, the guiding principles or the design principles. Tell me what came from this as it relates to the actual levers we, we landed on. Well, we ended up with eight. So from 85 down to eight was mm -hmm. uh, painstaking, but yet really fun kind of task. And so there's four levers for in impacted individuals in a you know community recovering from a climate-driven disaster. And there's four levers kind of at the community level. So as we think about, you mentioned four levers for individuals, four for impacted communities. Can you talk to me about the levers that are emerging so far for impacted individuals? Sure. So, um, you know, we, we want everybody impacted from a disaster to recover in a timely way. Uh, one of the levers is basically persistence. So be mm -hmm. not everybody receives the right resources to recover because they can't make it through the process to receive the funds. So what can we do to increase the persistence? So increase the number of people that make it through that process to receive funds. Um, that could look like, you know, increasing the ease um, of access to those resources, whether it's reducing barriers, reducing complexity, you know, a lot of 
ways to play with that. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like persistence is one of the levers. Um, another one that I mentioned earlier is the flexibility of funds for survivors. Um, so right now, the way that those funds come in are very rigid in yeah. um, how people can recover, and they're not really given agency over how they can recover, which um, you know includes not having flexibility for incurred hardships or resilience work, or even just making the decision on how what's best for them. Uh, so that's a lever. It's just the flexibility of how money flows to individuals. Another one is the velocity. We've talked about this, you know, taking an average of two years to reach people from, you know, money they are they right. are owed as part of kind of programming here. Um, so the fact that resources for recovery take a long time to arrive, um, what can we do to increase the velocity of those funds to reach impacted individuals? And I think this is a lever that works across insurance, across government, and across mm-hmm. philanthropy. Absolutely. Um, so that's a really interesting one. Um, the one that really has me jazzed is a little bit more of a system redesign. Um, and it's what we call like the push versus pull. So the current system is designed around individuals, um, basically needing to navigate their own recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, so they need to know what resources are available for them, navigate through the process and then receive those available resources. So we're toying around with, um, what would it mean to shift responsibility away from individuals uh, to receive those resources? Right. So at the community level, talk to me about what the sort of equivalents, the, the primary levers we've talked about at the community, impacted community level are. So the one that we've heard from, I think, every person with lived experience here, whether it's, you know, um, somebody running a community foundation after California wildfires is... Uh, the fact that communities lack the capacity to recover with resilience, and so that means expertise, experience, people, processes. So that's one lever is just what does it look like to increase community capacity? Um, and that likely means increasing the funding the funding mm-hmm. for that community capacity to handle the long-term disaster recovery. Now, that could be before a disaster, after a disaster, that could be resources that are persistent throughout, that could be expertise, that could also just be networking communities back mm-hmm. together. But overall, the lever of increasing community capacity so that they kind of take ownership over that recovery, um, I think is, is a lever to play with. Um, the other one I think that kind of emerged early that still remains a front runner is how can we catalyze money? So increasing yeah. funding to communities to meet requirements, to access sidelined, for lack of a better word, resources, whether that's a matching grant or resources that come in with restrictions. So how can we catalyze money to kind of serve and and unlock additional dollars? Um, This category is exciting because it it exists at such a completely different scale. It's just there are dollars we can, if we can unlock, you know, if we can bring funding in, it can unlock millions. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, resilience is really its own lever. And I I think that there's kind of three things underneath resilience, which is the increase the overall funding of resilience recovery. Um, Frankly, like resources from the first disaster aren't improving ways, aren't included in ways to improve for the next time because um, everything is aligned around kind of back to normal or those resources are depleted before resilience. So we've kind of said, well, how can we just increase overall funding for resilience? How can we increase the affordable options for resilience so that basically like those costs the same 
as building yeah. back to normal. And then that, you know, kind of pesky, well, what policy could we maybe change or influence to make it so that resilience is baked in uh, mm-hmm. to being covered by kind of how funds flow? Well, in that category is interesting as we think about like innovation and project pipelining, as we think about increasing affordable options for resilience, that I think is is an exciting sort of subcomponent of this lever too, just for making uh, the economics of this make sense. Yeah. And then the, the hypothesis that, you know, I think kind of from the community level that, that keeps coming back that is also a bit more of a system redesign has to do with the, the, um, matching of resources. So kind of the first, the the overall kind of challenge is that communities lack a roadmap, the necessary bridge between what resources are available and what are the needs is missing. So we have a little bit of a hypothesis that if you can increase the visibility into what money is available, what resources are available. So how much, where is it from? When will it arrive? And you can increase visibility into the community's long-term needs. So not just like how many tarps are needed in the first, you know, kind of couple weeks or so, but what is the true requirement to build back with resilience? If we can show the visibility and show where money is and isn't going to, that we could actually improve the match and improve the outcome. Um, so that's a little bit more of a system redesign that I think could could have some incremental experiments that could prove yeah. that to be kind of correct or not around how capital flows. Um, but I think that that's a um, big, big lever, which is, you know, to match the needs and the resources, which we are not the first organization in the no. social sector to say like, hey, just build a system that does this. But I believe that with the scope of disaster recovery, there's a real opportunity to um, uh, kind of put put some real use cases around what that system could look like uh, to maximize learning. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is a topic that you've been flagging since the beginning of our conversations. I think this idea of we don't know what we don't know is very much at play here. If we can't see, if we don't have visibility into the needs, we don't have visibility into the available resources, it's very difficult to provide a match between those two things. So um, some of our partners and folks we've been talking to are, like you said, thinking about really interesting ideas here. So this feels like a sort of sector-wide problem to solve, not something necessarily a network for good can even do on our own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So tell me more about what's next. Uh, Where's this landing? What are you thinking about? What's what are what are you most excited about? This process has been the reason I believe we can make this vision a reality. Like I believe that we can if we can focus in on these levers and demonstrate a change in how communities and individuals recover from a disaster, like this is this is the perfect use case and these are the levers that that thinking about the system differently, like now it just needs a design to do that. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I think that we're the organization to do it. Well, thank you for talking with me today. I appreciate from you the overview you offered today on sort of the eight levers we're now coalescing around. So as always, we welcome feedback, thoughts, criticism, and hope that our advisors and supporters will weigh in on thoughts, advice, and future ideas. Awesome. Awesome.